You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, it's a football Friday here on Birds 365. We are less than a week from the first Eagle game. Preseason football started last night. Oh, Excuse me, that's <laughs> commentary on the yeah. Steelers and the Cowboys, but that's just me. Jody McDonald back with my usual bud. He's been uh, busy going to camp every single day. Good to get him back in front of the brick wall. John McMullen here with me on Birds 365. Are you ready to do a Birds 365 full episode, McMullen? I was ready. You know, technical difficulties before the show. Nothing. It's that time of year. Everything's on the fly. What's going on, Jody? Not a How have you been? Uh, How long have you been? I, uh, let me check. Haven't changed. Uh, still one big ugly piece, um, but getting that much more ready for football. Yeah, yeah. I I had the game plan in place last night. What the hell did I watch? Maybe it was a Law and Order episode. Uh, <laughs> Phillies, Phillies were over and done with. You see that I've got the uh, red Phillies stuff on since they're only a half game out uh, with yeah, a weekend race. Pennant race in August. They're in a divisional race. Uh, the pennant would be great. Yeah, I'm not right, sure if they're yeah. a pennant team, but right. uh, they're a, they're in a playoff race, playoff that's for sure. Race. And uh, half game out against the uh, Mets coming up this weekend down at Citizen Bank Parks. So that ends 7.30-ish. Caught the tail end of a uh, uh, Law & Order episode. And then, boom, over to Fox. Uh, Troy and Joe Buck getting ready to call the first football game in 2021. Yeah, I didn't recognize it. First quarter, I understand what the NFL preseason is all about. It's 90-man rosters. It's making evaluation judgment. Yeah. You got to figure out who you're going to carry, who you're going to cut. But the first series, I didn't know half of the guys who were on the field. No. Talk about I, playing I, I guys whose name you don't recognize. Because, I, you know, I didn't watch a lot of it uh, because I just got too much to do. But I did flip on at one point, and I flipped on at the time when they were going live via remote to interview Dak Prescott from Oxnard. He's not even at the game. I mean, look, Mike Florio got in trouble for making a quip about preseason football and nobody's out there. And then everybody jumped down his throat. Oh, it's guys trying to live their dream. Look, I get both did, sides. Did Florio actually take grief for saying oh, that? Oh, yeah. 
Are they gonna are gonna are they gonna take it from me? Because I'm saying basically the same exact thing. I tuned in to watch some players that I knew and I didn't know any of these guys. Well, remember the Steelers and the Cowboys. It's Twitter, so and then you got the hardcore football guys that you know are just gung ho. Uh, They have their opportunity to live a dream. Yeah, they do. But you can also be honest and say it's not good football. But it is, you know, this happens every year pre-pandemic as well. People are so fired up. They haven't had football for so long. They turn on the Hall of Fame game. They're all, and then 15 minutes in, they go, oh, this is not, this is not good. But it, it's good to see football. It's good to see uniforms out there. It's good to see players. It's good to see some action. Good to see some fans in the stands. Hopefully that continues. Um, that part of it's good, but yeah, I, what, what are you going to learn? You know, it's interesting at the end of Doug Peterson's regime, I got in a, you know, on air dust up with my buddy, Colin Thompson, uh, from the Carolina Panthers, because, you know, he's one of those guys who's trying to make a roster. And, you know, I, I would tell him the coaching staff said they would rather have joint practices so they could script the work and all that kind of stuff. You know, it is really important for the players. I will say that. So you do have to think about it from that standpoint and say, this might be their mm-hmm. only opportunity. Those guys, you don't know those guys you haven't heard heard of. That, that might be their only opportunity to open somebody's eyes. So it's important for them. But as an aesthetic product, as a TV product, you got to be honest. It's not exciting football. I mean, I think both sides are true. Here's where uh, I'll I'll cover my own, you know what, uh, a little <laughs> bit. Um, when the Eagles play next week against the Steelers, and uh, certain players are out there for the Eagles, guys that you've been watching in practice intently for the last nine days, and they're playing, and they're either making a play or getting beat or whatever. Oh yeah, that will mean a lot to us. Because that's how we look at the Philadelphia Eagles. We got the big picture zoned in on. Yeah, I'm not zoned in the same way on the Cowboys. No, I'm not no, zoned in the same know. way on the Steelers. So they are calling out names that I go, who, who, yeah. what, yeah, who? Exactly. So it all depends on your point of view. And I guess Mike Florio, being a national football reporter, is, should be as tuned into all these guys as uh, with any team. Any of the 32 is uh, a fair judgment for him. It's not the same for us, uh, those guys like us who are doing an Eagle-centric sh- uh, show. When we're talking about the Eagles when they're playing, yes, we're going to have a at least an opinion on all 90 guys. I'm sorry, I just don't have an opinion on all 90 guys on the Cowboys or the Steelers. So last Michael night Parsons had a had a evidently had a well, yeah, we, we know first round draft yeah. picks. I, yeah. I, yeah, I know Michael. Carson's I mean, that's pretty something good. if you want to. If you want to, you know, I think about the Eagles looking forward. I think. I think the Eagles are going to look a little bit better in preseason than most teams for this reason. They have guys at quarterback who played before that are going to get the majority of snaps in Joe Flacco and Nick Mullins. So I think there might be some some optimism because they're going to look better than a lot of teams that don't have credible uh, options at the backup of the third position. Uh, or for some teams, even the fourth position, and you see Ben DiNucci out there. Um, so I think, you know, you might get a little bit of a false sense of optimism uh, because they have those credible guys, but we'll see. I, You know, 
you never know with preseason. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how Nick Sirianni wants to handle uh, this preseason. Let me ask you about that, because he was specifically asked about it yesterday. You were there, you know. Um, someone asked him, you do realize that your practices are the shortest ever in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles for preseason. Uh, they seem like they're accomplished practices. It seems like they're working a lot when they're working them, but it's... I love them. Seven, yeah, yeah. I love them. Those of you standing on the sidelines, I get it, but uh, there's a whole bunch of Eagle fans out there that aren't going, wait a minute. Did, didn't Andy Reid, like, practice two hours and change? And this guy's wrapping up after 70 minutes. Are we sure we getting all our work in? I thought his answer was very interesting, which I'll, I'll ask you to put your, hey, I'm out of here early attitude aside <laughs> and just analyze it for wow. what it's worth. He made it sound like this is very much a groupthink deal, that the science, follow the science. I'm so tired of listening to that wow. about the pandemic. We need to follow the science. That's kind of what the coach said yesterday. You got to follow the science, that our research, our doctors, our trainers, Howie Roseman, have all gotten together and decided it's much better to practice smarter than it is longer. And we're getting our work, but it's because we don't want to put our players through too much physical risk. Well, football is a physical sport. Yeah, you got to take some physical risks to play football. Um, he kind of passed the buck a little bit that it wasn't his call to make practices as quick as they are as much as it was everybody's call to make practices as short as they are. Were you buying what he was selling? Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm buying from the standpoint of it's not his decision. Uh, that part is taken out of his hands. Couple things. One, the, the collective bargaining agreement limits the timing, the time you can be on the field. So yeah, I, I, I get that. We're not talking about three hour no. practice. Well, I that's, know that's out of play, but yeah. compare him to what no, other teams I'm around the NFL are you, doing. You can go two hours, uh, in, and you know, I, I have to look this up, to be honest. Doug would often go a little bit beyond two hours, 2.15 or something of that nature. I think they scaled that back, but I have to double-check on that again with the new, the, the most recent CBA. I think the limit's two, and I'll, I'll check on that in the break. Um, and he's at about 75 minutes. If Bottom line, he's told. <laughs> you know, this is the time you have. And, and this is the conversation we're having about, you know, Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, their imprint on this team. Uh, they talk about the medical staff, the sports science, the training staff. They always talk about Ted Rath. They always talk about Arston Oda, who's their uh, medical officer. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not up to him. Now, I imagine if you start to see some sloppy football, and Nick goes to him and says, look, I mean, we got to be out here a little bit longer. Um, I think the Eagles mentality, and by the way, I think this is Howie Roseman more than Arston Oda or Ted Rath. I think it's, they've had so many injury problems. They have so many veteran key players. Their key players are all veterans. We've talked about that. They all have injury histories, basically. Not all, but a lot of them. And he wants to get them to week one as healthy as possible. And this is one way to do it. Now, if they show up in Atlanta on September 12th and it's the sloppiest brand of football you've ever seen, yeah, poor Nick Sirianni's going to get blamed for that. 
I, I don't think this is un, under his control. I'll be honest. <laughs> like the 53-man roster, like the game day roster. Howie's got a big imprint on this. And, again, what do I know? But it, it seems like they're erring on the side of caution, and it's unnecessary caution, or it's overly cautious at this time. Hey, I hope they play a really crisp game week one with no turnovers and good tackling when they take on Atlanta a couple weeks down the road. But if they're not, yeah, I'm going to come on here on Birds 365 on Monday after an opening week sloppy loss, and you're telling me I'm going to blame Harry Roseman as much as I do. Well, no, I'm telling you should, but I know who you're going to blame, and that's why in some ways. No, I'm smarter than that. Uh, Maybe other. But I'm smart enough to listen to John McMullen. If he's telling me Howie Roseman is the one who's making the call for these short practices in the preseason, well, I'm going to blame Howie Roseman. But few are are going to follow your path. I mean, Nick's going to take the hits. I mean, that's just part of part of the job. He understands that. He knows that. I, I do think it would be interesting to, you know, have uh, uh, Nick Sirianni in, where you knew he had this tremendous autonomy to see if it would be the same way. I don't think it would be, bottom line. I don't think it would be. There's a reason he defaults. He's been asked about that a lot, and he defaults to the same time, the same thing. From the day one, I think, of training camp, he talked to us, and now, maybe it was day two, the second time he talked to us, um, when we asked him for the first time, you know, about the the uh, Veterans Maintenance Day uh, so early in camp. So the second day he talked and we asked him, why are all these guys out? It's day three. And he started to, help, you know, kind of say, well, that's the decision of the medical staff, the training staff, and he didn't say Howie Roseman, but we all know the people that are down there. Uh, Howie Roseman has to say on all of that. Uh, and they're trying to get to week one as healthy as possible with their veteran players. I don't necessarily disagree with that, by the way. Um, you know, 75 minutes, though, I joke about it. You know, we're there anyway. It's not like we can leave. We just got to go right and 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 continue to work. But you're not on the field in the hot sun. It seems a little short to me. I'm going to be honest. Now, they do everything very quickly. There's pace. There's no downtime. I think they take advantage of the time they're given. I think that's a positive for this coaching staff. I think they've uh, worked it very well. But it's not a lot of time. And And, you know... I will say, Jody, real quickly, they don't spend a lot of time on special teams. Now, back in the old days, and I think it's because they don't have a lot of time. Back in the old days, you had two-a-days, and, you know, the second practice, which was more of a walkthrough, would be heavy special teams. Now you don't – they do have walkthroughs that we're not allowed into. Maybe they spend more time on it in in those types of sessions. I know Jake Elliott – my buddy Ed Kratz asked Jake the question, you haven't kicked a lot. And he said, not in front of you guys, but I'm kicking a ton. So maybe it's, you know, behind the scenes, they're starting to work on special teams, but 75 minutes, how much can you get down in 75 right. minutes, Jody? That, we have, our show's two hours. We, we never get <laughs> in everything we want to get that's into. That's right. We're putting in more time than the Eagles yeah. are. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you on this, uh, end, or maybe I'm agreeing with Jake Elliott. Um, 
if Jake is kicking well enough and he knows what he's doing behind the scenes when nobody's watching, whatever, special teams just aren't as important as they used to be because kickoffs are almost non-existent. A really high percentage of kickoffs are going into the back of the end zone and it's coming out afterwards after a touchback. So you need a guy to run down fast for a touchback, make a tackle on a touchback. No, you don't need any kind of a performance on a touchback if you're going to be able to kick it out. I agree. In fact, I always scold fans. Fans who argue about kick returners are like insane to me. I'm like, who cares? Well, you're going to return 12, 15 kicks a year. It'd be great to have Cordero Patterson. Don't get me wrong. If you lucked into having him, but who cares? I mean, I mean, you get as you mentioned, the vast majority of the time is touchbacks, but the other stuff is still really important. Punt returns got are still really punts. important. Got got yes. to cover. Uh, got to kick field goals. Got to got to directionally kick uh, from a punter's perspective. That stuff is still really important. The Eagles weren't very good at it last year they weren't let's be honest they weren't very good at anything and typically during the whole Dave Pipper era which started with Chip Kelly they always had one of the top 10 units of football from a special teams perspective but they also used to target players they used to target the Chris Maragoses of the world uh the Brian Brian Brayman's of the world the Najee Goods of the world guys who were just good at special teams I don't see them doing that as much. Craig James was like, actually, Rudy Ford was a phenomenal special teams player. He was always hurt. Uh, Craig jo- James uh, is also really good. He got hurt last year. Um, but, yeah, I don't see the same emphasis on special teams. All right. Speaking of all, always hurt, unfortunately, uh, Davion Taylor's injury looks like it's going to cost him yeah. some time. We've talked about him uh, plenty here on the show. Uh, last year was <laughs> on the roster, but yeah. almost non-existent. Just didn't make the field. We knew it when he was drafted that he was a project, that it was going to take time. And you had to realize that ahead of time, even though he was relatively highly drafted. It just wasn't in the cards. They basically admitted that 10 minutes after they drafted him. This is a project. It's going to get built up. Well, he's getting built up this preseason. In those 70 minutes, he was making the most of it, John, getting out there, taking first-team reps. And this injury, unfortunately, sets him back. Yeah, and he showed up to practice yesterday with a boot on his right leg. So it's a calf injury. Um, Look, he's he's a guy who depends on his speed. So anytime you start to have – remember, he hurt his quad first, and he was trying to play through it. And then he hurt his calf and who knows, maybe trying to play through the quad uh, made him favor the other side of his body or something of that nature. Um, And that's where we bring in the sports science and sitting guys and being cautious. But, you know, Davion just turned 24 yesterday. He's a really, really young guy. um, And he was really trending in a positive direction. That's a move I've advocated. I was happy. Jonathan Gannon. Uh, was listening to me. I'm just kidding, JG. But, you know, he threw him in the deep end of the pool. That's what I advocated to do because he's so much more athletic than any other linebacker they had. And I know that's what he wants because that's what Minnesota had. That's what Indianapolis had at the linebacker position. They want that kind of athleticism on the field. Um, They saw a brief glimpse of it, and he gets hurt. Uh, And – you know, he's the kind of guy who needs reps. 
That's what I said. You know, I probably said it when I was on with you guys and when Jeff Kerr was filling in for me. And I, you know, I don't care if Brandon Brooks gets any snaps in in the pre. I really don't care. Lane Johnson to the world. Get him to week one. I wholeheartedly, I'm behind you, Howie Roseman. That's the way to go. The young guys, Davion Taylor, they need reps. Even Devontae Smith, who, you know, was incredibly um, gifted, as we often talk about, is really advanced for a typical rookie receiver. He needs reps. All rookies need reps, need preseason reps. So those injuries are a little bit more concerning uh, than Brandon Brooks's hamstring, where they're, you know, Brandon's out there every day, moving great, smiling, happy. He's not hurt. They're just, they're just being. I'm not saying there's a little bit of an issue, but it's not serious. If there were a game to play this week, he'd be playing. Trust me. And they're just being overly, overly cautious. But young guys, I, I worry a little bit. Here's where I'm less accepting than you. How Brandon Brooks play last year? Didn't play. Oh, he didn't play. So then, yeah, I'd say when you missed the entire season before, a couple reps wouldn't hurt you. Now, uh, the whole veteran day off thing that they got going, like practice three days, give all the veterans <laughs> a day off. Practice two days, give all the veterans a day off. Oh, I'll, I, it kind of annoys me, but I'll put up with it. If you want to play Brandon Brooks, practice one day, take two days off. Practice one day, take two days off. Okay, fine. Not... He's been out since the first day of practice, correct? He practiced the first day? Yeah, he practiced okay. early. I forget what day. Yeah, it was very early. I, uh, I, I believe, two. if I'm not mistaken, it was the first practice of the year. Hasn't been on the field since. And he's been day-to-day -day the entire time. Other injuries that the Eagles have have been listed as week-to-week, -week, but Brandon Brooks has been day-to-day -day for seven consecutive days. Uh, come on, uh, at least get him out there. Have him do some jumping jacks or something. Oh, he's uh, out there. That's what I'm saying. And it wouldn't surprise me if he got a couple reps in the third preseason game or however they're going to handle it. I, I'm just saying personally, I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me uh, if he gets any reps, if, if, if he, he's in that category where I know what he can do. It's just about getting him to week one as healthy as possible. Um, you know, younger players, they need that development. They need those reps. Uh, he's seen everything you can see. I mean, either he's physically ready to go, you know, he's an older player. He's torn his Achilles, um, you know, twice in three years. You had the shoulder surgery. There's been a lot of injury issues, but you know he can play. So the only question about Brandon Brooks is, is he physically still the same guy. And that is, you know, that's what every athlete goes through. At some point you lose it. And if he loses it, he's losing it. Two reps, and you know, a series in a preseason game isn't going to make a difference. So that's more of the question with a player like that. It's just, is he at the same skill level? Has the descent started or hasn't? And that'll be defined in the regular season. Here's why I question it, at least some. And again, I'm not making this a big deal, but it does bother me a little bit. Um, Jason Kelsey older than Brandon Brooks? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, let's see. I got the roster right here. Yeah. They're both old. Jason plays through everything. I hear what you're saying. 
I mean, that's just his mentality. You know, he, he hyperextended his elbow uh, last year. I thought he was out for the season. I don't know if you remember that play. He was cursing on the sidelines. He, he left for one play. It was the play before halftime. And he walked in early, and he was really angry and slamming uh, down his helmet. I thought he was done. And he's back out there, can't even move his left arm. He played the rest of the game. Right. Uh, he's a different cat, uh, Jason Kelsey. Uh, and he'll continue to go. But, yeah, he's he's 33. Brandon uh, turns 32 later this right. month. So, Kelsey's, as I thought, Kelsey's a year older. And, oh, by the way, unless he's deemed out because veterans are off, he's out there every day. He's taking reps every day. John McMullen and BLG and all you guys are reporting first team reps. Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, you're telling me he's fine. He's on the sidelines. He's moving around. He's smiling and laughing. He doesn't get first team reps because he doesn't get any reps because he has not practiced since day one. Why one way with one guy and one way with another? Brandon Graham's the same way. Certain guys want to be out there. So so Brooks doesn't want to be out there, you're telling me? No, he's hurt. It's just uh, if if he didn't strain his hamstring, tweak his hamstring, he'd be out there. Uh, just so like you just you in... just told me, if they were playing a game today, he'd be playing. So is yeah. he hurt or isn't he hurt? He is hurt. He's got a slight hamstring strain. I'm saying if it's a regular season game, he would play through it. They're being overly cautious uh, because of his injury history, because of his age, because of all that stuff. I don't I don't have a problem with. It. I don't think his teammates have a problem with it. I think they understand. If Lane Johnson tweaked his ankle, he'd be in the same position. He 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 would play uh, if there was a game. But if he even you know stubs his toe, they're going to hold him out of practice because what's the point, you know? But yeah, if they're a hundred percent, if they're tip top and there are no issues whatsoever, they're going to be out there practicing. And Brandon will be back at practice. It's not like he's not going to be back. You sure of that? Yeah. I'm, 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 he's getting very close. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back there Saturday or Sunday this weekend. Um, He's going to be back at practice, but with any veteran player, any proven veteran player, if the wind blows wrong, uh, that, you know, kind of tweak my shoulder with that stiff win, they're going to hold him out of practice. Except for Jason Kelsey and Brandon Graham, who say, no, we actually take our job seriously and we plan on practicing. Well, I don't think that's fair. You can point yet. I I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And there are different players. And Jason doesn't like, Jason doesn't like maintenance days. Brandon doesn't like maintenance days. In the past, when Doug was here, you didn't see this whole group given the maintenance days, like you have everybody's out on the, on the veteran maintenance days, uh, you know, on defense, it's Graham, it's Cox, it's Slay, it's Kerrigan, um, on offense, it's Jason, it's Lane, it's Brandon, it's Zach Ertz. Um, under Doug, you know, Brandon would go, I want to practice and he'd go practice and other guys would have a, a, a maintenance day, but you know, Again, certain people are, are a little bit different. Uh, that's, you know, there's nothing wrong. You can't expect everybody to be Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey. I mean, if you are, you're going to be, you're going to be disappointed. No, you're going to be disappointed. I, I, I'm not. I'm just, I, I'm being, trying to be as analytical as possible. 
eight Eagles practices. Brandon Brooks practiced the first one, and he's been out day-to-day, seven consecutive days. I'm sorry, I'm reading into that a little bit, whereas Jason Kelsey has been ready to go and told well, he Jason, couldn't practice. Yeah, but Jason, Jason hasn't. If Jason uh, legitimately tweaked his hamstring, uh, hamstring, he would be practicing. They would hold him out. They might have to, you know, put a harness on him to keep him in the building, that's, but they would hold him out. That's kind of my point. I like guys who you have to put a harness on to keep them from actually practicing. Joe McDonald and John McMahon. Good to have Jay Mack back with me today. Um, joining us next is another one of Johnny Mack's partners. He's had a bunch of them. I've had a lot of partners. He's had a lot of partners. You do this long enough, you get partners. Uh, Mike Gill from 97.3 down the shore is going to hop aboard with us. Talk some Eagles football here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. 
It is a football Friday here on Birds 365. You got a well-lit Jody McDonald, a well-lit John McMullen, and a coming to, to us from the dark, Mike Gill from 97.3 ESPN down the shore. <laughs> Uh, Gil, uh, it's bright outside wherever you are. I guess that's down at your somewhere, my friend. It's good. Uh, you can't tell that you're almost as ugly as me and McMullen. I tried, guys. Yeah. I knew who I was coming on with. I knew my audience today. So <laughs> <laughs> you knew your compatriots. Very good. Mike, I, it's uh, good to see I, you. I felt like it was be bright out here. I, I'm outside on the porch. I'm having my coffee, man. Come on. Yeah, it's early. We understand. West Virginia. There we go. He gets it in early. That's it a Kevin DK for early. you, buddy. Yeah. Very nice. We <laughs> always got. All right. Early early impressions, Mike. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. What have you been hearing from the fan base? Are they excited? Are they juiced up? We got the Eagles. Make uh, Excuse me. The Phillies making a run uh, here in August. So they're kind of relevant. First open practice. What are we going to see there? Are we going to see 40,000 people electric? Or is everybody saying, eh? I don't, I don't know about this team. Well, I will preface this by saying, guys, that I have been higher on this team than most. I, I feel like if you have a good offensive line, and as long as their line is healthy, they should have a very good offensive line. So with that, you can compete. I don't know that competing means you win 11 games, but I have been higher on the team than most. That said, the encouraging signs so far is that the offensive line is pretty good one two I do feel guys that people are starting to be a little bit more like I think the Steven Nelson signing whether he changes things or not it goes back to if you did not have Nelson you just couldn't compete week in and week out you can at least compete now if somebody gets hurt injuries happen competing in a game means in the NFL they're all one score games for the most part one thing goes your way. One thing happens. Somebody surprises. Again, are you going to win 11 games because you competed in 17 of them? No. But they should be way more competitive. And I'm certainly starting to feel that people are feeling that way. Now, I'm sure it helps that you have 48 beat reporters tweeting every play <laughs> that gets people excited. That's no, you said, shouldn't do that, I, by the way. Beat reporters should not do that. Twitter does not pay us. Stop doing that. <laughs> I, that that's my PSA. Okay, well, it certainly I think shapes people's thoughts of hey, this guy apparently you know Davion Taylor is going to be Lawrence Taylor all of a sudden. <laughs> he is. He he was looking good until he got injured. So uh, that's a positive sign. Zach McPherson has hit the ground running. But you're my you're right, Mike. I mean, a, a training camp you have the up and downs. Jalen Rager had been down. Yesterday had a huge catch. I don't know if you guys saw it. The Eagles put it on Twitter, just like an OBJ, one-handed stab. Um, so there are a lot of positive signs, but until we see the Pittsburgh Steelers, the New York Jets, New England Patriots, and see how they measure up against somebody else, it's going to be more difficult. Nick Sirianni, I, I got to get your impressions there. 75-minute practices, bang, we're done. Maybe he goes to 90 minutes. We start looking at our watch and saying, what the heck's going on here? we got to get off the field. Do you think you can get your work done, or is this just a modern NFL? Oh, yeah. First off, um, I was not a Peterson hater by any stretch. I didn't think he deserved or needed to be fired. But I definitely think in the early stages here, 
I was intrigued by seeing a younger crew and seeing how they adapt to this new, you know, athlete or whatever it is. Uh, I like what's going on. I mean, everything that um, that I hear and read makes me feel like they're connecting with these players. You know, I coach as well, and I had a practice. Sometimes we have these two, three and a half hour practices. You feel like you're losing guys. Last night I had a practice for about after about an hour and ten minutes. I said, "All right, I'm ready to go. I think we got enough accomplished." Like I think if you do it right, and it seems like they're just getting a lot in real quick, boom, boom, boom. That is kind of the world we live in, right? Like I, I made a yeah. joke last night after an hour and ten minutes. Everybody, I said, "Whoever invented this ADD thing, that guy needs to be something should happen <laughs> to him because yeah. that's everything." Like so, I don't see why it would be different for 53 guys or 90 guys competing for an NFL spot, they too uh, lose focus and start to drift. So get the most out of them why they're focusing the most. By the way, Jody, before you chime in, I want to get this in to Mike real quick. You're not going to make me start calling you coach, are you, Mike? No, no, Jason Garrett, uh, call me coach, boys, for me. Although, um, Garrett (laughs) – I said for years, the <laughs> Cowboys had the best talent and just a – down here we have the ACJFL, the Junior Football League. I said – and they have a Junior League coach, and that's why that team – he is horrible. And for him to say that yesterday, what kind of – I mean, it's not like he's got eight Super Bowl rings on his fingers, like call me coach. I mean, come on. what? I, that's Garrett for you. If you're, if you're a coach, you're a coach. So, Mike – I mean, coach, let me ask you. Um <laughs> Another Sirianni question. He was asked again yesterday if he's ready to name Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback of this team. And his response was, we're not there yet. So, in other words, Wednesday of next week, right? It's he. Are we going to wait till they line up on the field for the national anthem on Thursday next week against the Steelers and have to wait till Jalen Hurts walks out onto the field to find out he's the starting quarterback? I got it. I understood. Coach, you did a nice job. You were all about competition. You wanted everybody to compete, even though uh, Gill and McDonald and McMullen rolled their eyes. Yeah, the Fletcher Cox is competing. Yeah, right. Uh, I get it. And it was a good stance to take. Yeah. Isn't it time to give that up? Isn't it time to go, yeah, Jalen Hurts is our starting quarterback? So, Jody, I'm not sure that either one of you guys watched The Bachelorette, but no. I made this reference. On, a, sorry, big, coach. That's a big happening. no. It's a big no. All right. Well, I made this reference on on my show yesterday, which was you know there's a portion of the show where they're down to like the last three guys, and the guy in his mind he's in love with this woman, and he thinks that she's in love with him. He tells her, but she's still playing the game, right? She says, "That's great." You know, he's like, "I'm falling in love with you." That's great. <laughs> Couldn't it be that Sirianni, like she's trying to give him all the clues, like you're making it to next week. You're going to get the rose. He's like, I don't care about the rose. I want to hear it from your mouth. Like, I want you to tell me you love me too. Has Sirianni given him all the clues behind closed doors and said, listen, I have to keep going out there. I have to keep saying this to portray that there is this competition. But in the end, you're the guy who's going to get my love. Could that be the well, case? Well, well, behind closed, it's not behind closed doors. Okay. So day eight, I've been at eight practices, Mike. Every single first team rep has been Jalen Hurts. 
not an equipment malfunction. He didn't come off the field to tie his shoes. Every single first-team rep has been Jalen Hurts. So it's not even behind the scenes. It's overt. He's the starting quarterback of this team unless – yeah, and then we get into the Deshaun Watson rumors. Now, personally, I don't think that's why Nick Sirianni won't name him the starter. I think it is more of what Jody said in that he's just not a proven guy. He's not a Fletcher Cox. He's not a Brandon Graham. He's not a Jason Kelsey. He's not a Brandon Brooks. He hasn't done anything in this league yet, so he doesn't feel it's necessary to decree he's a starter. But other people are putting two and two together and saying, oh, they're not doing it because Deshaun's coming. What's your standpoint from that uh, part of this? Yeah, I mean, I guess there was a a, a wonky tweet at about 11 o'clock the other night that suggested things were heating up here. And then the very next day, which was refuted pretty much all over the place, like that's not the case. They're making calls. I think, John, you actually had a thread, made a call yourself doing some due diligence, which is obviously needed in this situation because I think everyone's connecting the dots. You have an unproven quarterback who's played four games and an army chest of draft picks that obviously connects you, plus a guy who makes every call all the time. Boom. All right, you're going to be involved, and I don't doubt that they are. That being said, the coach had the opportunity when asked. It wasn't, hey, you hear a lot about this quarterback. It's how come you're not naming him the number one? We're not there yet. That's where it just keeps this cloud over top and it just adds fuel to the fire. That being said, I don't know how with all of this going on, you can realistically pull the trigger on a deal. Now, if you're getting it for, you know, half off, maybe you think about it, but you can't give full value worth of trade to retain retain a player who has allegations of 22 sexual abuse claims against him and the league has suspended players Zeke Elliott six games for for being accused but doing but not getting in trouble for it here's the the rub for me guys Watson doesn't have to give his deposition until after the season's over so how does the league play that like do they suspend him and what if something they just this all goes away but that it's a really tricky situation for all parties involved so that's where i think the eagles are going to constantly be connected because who knows if he's going to be suspended until after that uh, before that deposition right and that's why and and i i don't know chris Traprasso. he was supposed to be on with us today and had to uh, reschedule uh a late minute last minute family thing um so we wanted to talk to him today and uh, sorry we weren't able to get him on I've read his stuff a lot. I don't think he just makes stuff up out of whole cloth. So I think there was something to it. Could he have overstated it a little bit? Yeah. I'm sure the Eagles are talking to him. I'm sure Denver's talking to him. I'm sure there's five or six teams that put an occasional call into Houston and go, hey, any new info? Uh, Do we want to engage in this again? Um, So I'm not going to dismiss it, but I'm not going to put too much emphasis on it either. The question is, how does Jalen Hurts handle it? He seems to be pretty cool under fire. That's what everyone says about him, that he's a leader and the guys like him and that he's focused. And he's kind of the opposite of the previous quarterback here with this team who let stuff get inside his head. 
should we just accept that Jalen Hurts is this strong-willed and uh, it isn't going to eat at him the way that it did the previous Eagles starting quarterback? Oh, I think so. And I think that's what should be exciting about what you're going to get a chance to see this year is you have a guy, you know, you had Wentz in that whole situation. They drafted Hurts. And whether he got his feelings hurt or not, most people's belief is that Wentz (laughs) is a little sensitive to the outside noise the whole Foles thing that's going on now, should they bring him back? Well, you can't bring Foles here because it might ruffle the feathers of the current guy. Aaron Rodgers has love there. He went out and was the MVP of the league. I think Hertz has more of a personality of that. You want to bring in somebody? You want to bring in the noise? That's fine. This is all this guy is known. Alabama, we need someone else. All right, I'll go to Oklahoma. I'll play there. Now, is he going to have the same success? I can't guarantee that. But I don't think all the noise – is something that bothers him. I think, if anything, it probably is something that he's smiling <laughs> behind closed doors and saying, all right, everybody keeps always trying to push me out. Mm. At some point, does that get to you? Eh, maybe. I think every individual person's different. Obviously, Roger's different from Wentz. And now Hurt's different from both of them, where this noise is not going to go away until a decision is either made on Watson's future or someone else pulls the trigger on that deal. And Hertz is going to have to continue to deal with that, guys, right? Yeah. And, and I think he's uniquely qualified to do it because of what went on at Alabama. Uh, he is very thick-skinned. He calls it rat poison. I think Nick Saban uh, taught him well to stay away from that. Uh, I do want to go back to Nick Sirianni's press conference, though, because he kind of said something that was counterintuitive to me, and I want to run it by you, Mike. Uh, and the fact that he was talking about distractions. Everybody's got to deal with distraction. He was he was talking about Jalen Hurts and, and Deshaun Watson. Can't say the name, but you got to deal with it. Other people, Jalen Rager had to deal with some off-the-field stuff happening to him. Everybody's got something going on in their life. But then I'm thinking to myself, Nick Sirianni, take your own advice. You're creating your own distraction by not naming Jalen Hurts the starting quarterback of this team, even though he's taken every single first-team rep. Is that all base, or is he creating a problem for himself as a young coach that he doesn't really need? Because it's obvious to everybody. Well, is that the distraction, though, to pull the distraction off of all the other distractions and put it on the one where I know that guy can handle it? It's the old, hey, I'm going to be tough on you, not that I'm being tough on you, but if I show the others that I can be tough on you, that tells them that I can be tough on them as well. So he knows Hertz can handle it, but guess what we haven't heard about? What's Zach Hertz up to? Is he even in pads? Is he doing anything? I don't know. That distraction is all out the window because of everything else that's diverted. What's going on uh, at the linebacker position, which was so weak last year? Is that upgraded? Are they any better? You know, what, I haven't heard Anthony Harris's name. Steve Nelson signed. Is he doing anything? I have no idea. All I hear is Deshaun Watson hurts. Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson hurts. So maybe he's created the diversion to take everything off the other players. Not not a bad possibility. I I, I like, like your it. line. I like your line of thinking there, Gil. I got no idea whether it's actually his line of thinking, but I like your line of thinking, Michael. Nobody very does. good. Uh, I have a question. He, I have a question for you guys, real quick. If you if you can, uh, uh, Jeff Kerr had been hosting for you, John, and he's on with me three times a week. Okay, I want to get your opinion on this because we had a little disagreement with the whole answer that you asked Fulgham about McMullen, which was. You know, he gave the answer we all expected. Alshon came back, boom. 
Who do you think is the genesis? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold, on, hold on, hold on. What do you mean he gave the answer we all expected? I didn't expect that. What did you expect? I had what? nothing to do expect? with it. It had nothing to do with me. He didn't take any of the... Well, don't look at me. Look at Alshon. I thought that was pretty weak. Yeah, well, he did. We... A little bit later, he he kind of said, yeah, I had to improve as a practice player, and he has improved. Uh, it, it was sort of a cocktail of things with Travis Fulgham. One, I think people think he got benched when Alshon came back. I, I went back and looked at it. He had the great month where he just exploded. And then the two games after that, he played almost the entire game, and then he played about 88% of the snaps. And in the combined two games, had two receptions for 16 yards. So people were adjusting to him. I know the Giants were that first game. They put Bradbury on him. He just completely shut him down. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was playing well. And people assume, oh, Alshon came back and they just they just benched him at when he was playing at this great level. That part of it's not true. Right. Both Aaron Moorhead and, and Doug Peterson said, look, the practice habits aren't there on a consistent basis. That was part of it. Um, yeah, it was a little strange, but all right. Well, my question and the the the, the difference that we had was who made that call? Was that Doug Peterson saying, I'm loyal to my guy, oh, or yeah, you're not yeah. practicing well? Or did Howie Roseman say, you got to play, play the guy who's making uh, more money? That was a Doug decision. Doug right. loves uh, – loved Alshon Jeffrey. I said, um, if anything, if anything, guys, Roseman's saying, you have to play Fulgham. I found this guy. I'm getting roasted yeah. out there because of my drafting. I found this he undrafted guy. Get him out there, right? I, I, Doug is incredibly, incredibly loyal to his guys who got him right. to where he was, both the coaching staff and the players, uh, probably to a fault. Um, obviously, he pushed for Press Taylor last year. That was never going to work with Jeffrey Lurie. It's one of the major reasons he's not here. He, he never wanted to fire Mike Rowe. He never wanted to fire Carson Walsh. Uh, he is extremely, extremely loyal uh, to his guys. And Alshon was one of those guys. I can tell you how many times he told me behind the scenes. When it came to the passing game, he, he would always says game planning starts with 86, Zach Ertz, and 17, Alshon Jeffrey. That tremendous respect for him. And by the way, I think people forget how good Alshon was when he got here during the Super Bowl season and he played through the shoulder injury. You know, it ended badly. But, yeah, that was a Doug decision. Completely, completely loyal to him. Uh, I, I believe you, everything you said, John, but if you don't think Howie was leaning toward I was the guy who extended Alshon. Yeah. Maybe a little prematurely uh, as well. Oh, I definitely. gave him a whole bunch of money. No. I think you're both kidding yourself. I, I, can, I think eventually it's Doug's call, and I think Doug would have gone there anyway. Yeah. But if you don't think Howie kept Doug abreast of Alshon's contract status and the fact that he extended him, right. I think you're both kidding yourself. I think at the end of last season, Doug said, you know what? F it. Uh, I'm tired of this. And he did what he wanted. True. At the very end of last oh, I season. I believe that. Yeah, he said, and you know what, guys? Play. Yeah. Um, I, th I think Doug went rogue 
at the end yeah. of his last season here. And he was just tired of it. He was tired of, of So, of so let me ask you both. Sudfeld was all Doug? I Yeah, I've always said that. Okay. I vote Doug Doug did what he wanted to oh, do man, over the final month over the final month of that season Doug went rogue. Doug just said That one I'm, I'm a little different on. That one I think was a collaborative effort of uh, you know because he, Doug, he, you know why you know why Doug got was, fired immediately. If Doug got fired immediately after the season like for going he didn't get fired until a couple no, of weeks yeah. was, You know he wanted Jeffrey wanted to play but you know how I know it was Doug's decision uh, Jalen told me after the game, Jalen Hurts, he was told he was getting pulled before the game started. Uh, he he was told. He was upset about it. Uh, well, but he was a told. collaborative effort that happened in meetings during the week of, listen, we are going to play you for I, a half. What I just said, what I just said, and this is going to upset people, but what I just said about Alshon Jeffrey, he, he wanted, and I, I made the joke, and I'll probably get in trouble, but I'm going to make the joke again. Go I felt it. I felt bad for Nate because everybody treated him like he was a make-a-wish kid, like he was not an NFL quarterback, like he was sending somebody out there. You know, Doug loved Nate Sudfeld and wanted to give him a small opportunity to show what he could do. Unfortunately, yeah. he got a small opportunity to show what he could do from Nate's standpoint. He loved yeah. him. It, he it wanted got, to give it got him landed in San Francisco, where yeah. he's going to get cut before yeah. the uh, season starts. So, uh, and it also got it, it also got the Eagles Devonta Smith and an extra pick. So, thank you, Nate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. got a point there. I a uh, <laughs> couple of I think you both have referenced Zach Ertz of late. Um, it seems as if Zach Ertz is not only going to be on the Philadelphia Eagles week one, but is going to be prominently used by the Philadelphia Eagles week one. We I wouldn't be had... so sure. Inside out shorts are still inside out. That right. is a silent protest. So are you suggesting, McMullen, he's going to walk away? He's no. going to retire? No, he wants to. Well, then let me repeat traded. myself and see if you can refute it. Zach Ertz will be in the lineup week one for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he will be prominently used, as in... A minimum of uh, six balls thrown his way. Do you want to take the other side of that? No, I I will okay. say, That's and I'll I let thought. Mike and I'll let Mike chime in. I I will say that Nick Sirianni would like Zach Ertz to be here uh, and be prominently displayed in his offense after getting eight days to look at his receivers. Mike, chime in. I. This is a tough one because. How do you balance the two guys unless, okay, who gets squeezed out? And, and it's not like you're right. The receiving core, I mean, if you're going to play Rieger and Smith, it's not like you say, I have to play Ward or I have to play Fulgham. You could go with more 12. But if you were under the impression that at some point this offseason, I'm starting this team and I'm going with Goddard, and now all of a sudden that has changed, he's got to now shift the focus of his offense now, he said the other day, we throw the ball to the tight ends a lot. You guys see this. We throw tight end, tight end, tight end. Great. Um, I just hope it's not a case where, like the Fulgham, hey, we're going to play the veteran guy, and that means Goddard squeezed out a little bit because I think Goddard is a more dynamic player at this stage of his career. So I am quite intrigued how they are going to kind of – on. I don't want to say on the fly because, I mean, they've had a month or so now to kind of – realize i guess we're not trading him how they're going to incorporate both those guys and who gets squeezed out 
Now, I get it if, let's say, oh, I don't know. How about that other Kelsey guy? He's not a bad player. Kansas City's tight end. Uh, let's say he goes down and the Chiefs are making a play for the Super Bowl and they know their, their offense is predicated on throwing the ball to a tight end. Well, then, yeah, I think Andy Reid picks up the phone and gets uh, Howie Roseman on the line and goes, yeah, what are you looking for for Ertz? Yes, I, I readily admit there is a possibility that Ertz could get traded. But to Howie's credit, and sometimes that's difficult to say, uh, he set the bar as to what he wanted in exchange for Zach Ertz. He wasn't going to just give him away. I don't think that bar has moved. As a matter of fact, that Zach Ertz continues to play well in camp and the coach starts warming up to 12 personnel, if anything, the bar is lifted. That Howie well, Roseman will be asking for more in exchange for Zach Ertz. That's why I say Zach Ertz is staying. The other wrinkle, guys, would be if Ertz is a big reason why the team is surprising, and let's say they're around the trade and the team is 6-2. and two, Then do you say, uh, I'll don't, trade him don't, anyway. Don't, don't get nuts on us here, Gil. Right. Remember, this is being taped. Eagles 6-2. <laughs> and two. You said I, it out loud, I'm and it is saying. on tape. That's all, the other end of Bob Groats is 0-9, by the way. Right. All things are in play here. And if Ertz is a part of the reason why this team has become a surprise, do you then trade him if you get better value than you had anticipated? Yeah, I think he's going for the Sam Bradford sort of route. And as Jody said, he's hoping, not hoping, but if it if it pops up somewhere where a contender loses a tight end, as you just kind of said with Kansas City, uh, at that point, you got to seriously consider it, especially right. if you can get a day two pick. Somebody thinks, okay, we're a Super Bowl contender. Let's overpay like the Vikings did for Sam Bradford. Obviously, more valuable position, but that's what he's hoping for. And if yeah. not, he's probably going to be here unhappily and play out his contract. So, But now Nick Sirianni is quickly – let, real quick, Mike, and then chime on, on this. Nick Sirianni has gone down Doug Peterson same round because Doug Peterson every year would say, behind the scenes, we got to get more speed on the field. We got to get more receivers on the field. Then he would get on the practice field. He would see his receivers. No, I'm going to play Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz because I got good tight ends. Nick is coming to that same come to Jesus moment. He realizes. Zach Ertz is better than Travis Fulgham, Greg Ward, Quez Watkins, you name it. He's better. So yeah. well, you're right, because when he looks at his wide receiver room, he says, there's nobody here that warrants me taking the other tight end off the field. So if that's the case, I'm just going to go down that road, much like, you know, my predecessor had to do, whether he wanted to, he probably had to more than he wanted to, right? I mean, so exactly. he's in the same kind of boat. I just hope he doesn't do the Chip Kelly and hold up three fingers and put three tight ends out in the field. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you a lifeline here, Gil, um, and I'll uh, allow you to uh, uh, step back uh, just a couple of strides. Uh, I know you were talking hypothetical, Eagles off to a six and two start. I'll now yeah. ask you, and, and uh, everybody's got to listen to Mike Dowd on 97.3 uh, down the shore, uh, and the only thing that matters is his prediction uh, come the Friday before the season starts. You don't even have to give us the whole record. Just go halfway like you did. What are the Eagles going to be after eight games this year? Oh, man. I mean, I, again, like I said, I think the team is going to be better than most people give them credit for. But that being said, 
that might not happen until you know they, they kind of get this thing in motion. I, I would probably say and, somewhere like And oh, um, by the way, second half schedule, all the divisional <clears throat> games, a lot easier than the first yeah. half of the schedule. Correct. That's why I, I feel I, I figure they'll probably be in that three and five, four and four range early in the season. Again, I, I think with this line, and I don't know, John, you could I, I the whole Dillard thing. I mean, apparently he's back in the Hall of Fame. He was in the Hall of Fame, and then he was not, and now he's not. is in the Hall of Fame. Oh, that's Dillard. what I mean. Mylotta, yeah. not Dillard. I'm sorry. He's back in um, the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And and um apparently he has been outstanding. In fact, Adam Kaplan was on with me yesterday and said if I had to rank all the guys in camp, he'd probably be number one. No, Adam's wrong. Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat is number well, one. Well, if far. you put Mylotta at one and Sweat at one A, and I got Graham Hargrave, who I've heard great things about. Fletcher Cox, I have a pretty good defensive line. I've got a very good offensive line. Yeah. Teams with good defensive lines and offensive lines are typically good teams. That's very true. Very yeah. true. And, that, and that that real quick. If they go four and four, they could win 10 yeah. games. Because I All think right. if, if they go four and four against the first half of the schedule, they can go six and two. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Against the second half of this, and Josh Sweat boat raced Jordan Mylotta yesterday, so Josh has got the advantage. But our last one from me, Mike, this is going to be a callback for you as we do in the industry. Uh, you got one rose. Who's your camp crush? Who's your who are you giving it to? Give somebody the rose. Um, all right, I will go with well, it would have been Davion Taylor, but he's not here. Yeah, that's a good one. He yeah. left the show. Uh, all right, so I will go with – I know you just mentioned him. I'm going to go with Quez Watkins, and this is why. That's a good one. That's a good one. My, my reasoning for Quez Watkins is I feel like Doug did a terrible job of using these guys. Rieger, Watkins is your slot, jet sweep, bubble screen. That's who he is. And every once in a while, slot straight down the field. I think Sirianni will utilize his skill set in a much better way. Not huge numbers, not eye-popping catches, not volume, but big plays. So, Quez Watkins, will you accept my rose? <laughs> MG, we accept your rose. And we accept the fact that uh, you came on in uh, short notice and uh, quick turnaround. Thanks for getting up early with us, buddy. We'll be in touch uh, and give you a chance. Oh, If the Eagles are 6-2... and two, you're going to have to host for a week because I will just step down and say, yeah, I didn't see six and two coming. Gil did. Uh, so we'll give you the big stage. Thanks for coming on today, bud. No problem, guys. See ya. Mike Gil from um, 97.3 down the shore here with us on 
Birds 365. All right, quickie timeout. I want to uh, further the conversation with uh, my partner here about Zach Ertz and the way that this, this entire situation has unfolded from the end of last year up until where we sit now on who's handled it right, who's handled it questionably, and where it is going to go forward from here. He's uh, John McMullen. I'm Jody Mack. You're watching Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. A football Friday on Birds 365. The back and back guys reunited and it feels so good. But not Peaches and Herbs? Who sang that one, McMullen? Yeah, Peaches and Herbs. Peaches and yeah. Herbs. Uh, if that were the That's case... well done. If you and I were Peaches and Herbs, would you be Peaches or Herbs? Oh, 
I hope I'm heard. <laughs> I'll readily accept peaches, okay? You can be herb, I'll be peaches. You're back at back guys here with your birds 365. All right, uh, Herb, I'm going to make you uh, play a game with me. Uh, I need you to prognosticate for me. Zach Ertz is a Philadelphia Eagle this year. He is not traded, okay? He spends uh, the entire year in Philadelphia. His contract ends at the end of this year. We're not even going to factor in the possibility that Howie Roseman could do a complete 180. The organization could change its mind and say, well, why don't we extend Zach now? Or there's always a possibility that uh, uh, Dallas Goddard suffers a career-threatening injury, too, which could change it. But we're not factoring that in. We're just going to work under the assumption that Zach Ertz is here for all 16 games. No trade happens. Give me Zach Ertz's number in receptions, yardage, touchdowns. <clears throat> you know how I love these hypotheticals. Jerry. Yes, that's if, why if, I love if, asking if, them because I know it gets under your skin, Herb. If it's here, if he's here and he's healthy, I'm going to put him in the 60 range. Uh, I'm going to put him in the 750 yard range. I'm going to put him in the six touchdown range. I think he's going to play a lot. Uh, but I think Dallas Goddard's going to play more. I think they're going to shift roles. But I think Zach has a lot of proof. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's been really good at, at training camp. Um, and I get he's opened the eyes of the coaching staff. I know that for a fact. They're like, wow, you know, this guy could still play. And as I said, this guy's better than our third receiver, whoever that might be, uh, no matter what name you want to throw out there. And as I said, they've gone down. It, it, it's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy every year with the Eagles. They go down the same route. They want to get more speed on the field for whatever reason. They can't develop receivers or they have not developed receivers. Well, here we are again. They, You know, Zach doesn't want to be here. The assumption was he wasn't going to be here. And they wake up in training camp after about eight days, and they say, this is our best option. And if you're the head coach, remember, the head coach isn't dealing with all this ancillary stuff. Uh, he has uh, presumably understands what's going on. But from his standpoint, if he's going to be there, he's going to play him. And by he, I mean Zach Ertz. <clears throat> Here's uh, what I did. I, I knew I was going to ask you this question, so I, had to, I wanted to be able to answer it myself. So instead of uh, me just guessing here, I say, here's the best way to answer it. I'm going to take Zach Ertz's entire career, which is eight seasons now. We know last year was a bit of a disappointing year for him. He missed five games. He wasn't as prominent a part of the tight uh, the overall mix. Um, so I thought if I just average out all eight of his years – that should give you a fair number. Nah, of, nah, you what, can't do that. Why you not? Well, you got 118 in there. Is that 118? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. So you you think those numbers would be off? No. I mean, at the time, he, that's an NFL record. That's still an NFL record, <laughs> I believe, uh, for tight ends. I mean, he was the guy in the offense when it came to the passing game. He's not going to be the guy in the offense. 
So what I'm saying is that skews the number greatly, okay. as does last season, by the way, because right. of the that's my That's my point. Thank you for understanding my line of logic. You're going too alicalopy, so slow down with the analytics. No, uh, no, no. They're not, they're not in a vacuum. That's what I'm okay. saying. Okay, let me, let me give you they're the results. Let me give you the right, results the of result. my vacuum. All How right. many receptions did you say? 60. 60. You know what the average is? 70. Uh, um, uh, how many yards did you say? 750. You, you know what the average is? 755. How many I'm touchdowns did you I'm say? pretty good. Six. How many touchdowns did you say? Six. You six. know what the average is? Six. So my numbers came out to McMullen's numbers. Yeah. So why are you questioning my numbers? Because, uh, uh, because now I'm quite, you've made me question my numbers. Because those numbers... No, we're right. Come on, Johnny Mac. Hop no. on the bandwagon. We got this thing nailed. Because those numbers were with Zach Ertz as the top tight end, for the most part, except for his rookie season and his uh, last, last season. season. Correct. Which is uh, the outliers. So to me, if you want to do, you know, the the, the vast majority of his career in between those two outliers is what Zach Ertz was as a player. So if you want to average out those, I don't know what it would be. Now he's going to be the number two tight end. Now, back when Brent Selleck was here, you didn't have the danger sort of factor with him. He was more of an old school wide back tight end, inline tight end. Uh, this year, they want to get Dallas Goddard more – uh, more involved in the passing game, more as a flex tight end. That was the original plan. Now, as I said, the receivers are trying to, you know, fumble that a bit. So uh, his role is not going to be the same. So what you just told me, if you're going to uh, take out the outliers, I think it's better to give an indication of what Zacherts was as a player. He's not going to be that. Right. He's going to no, be a secondary, that's why I, that's secondary what, role. That's player. why I did it the way I did it because I wanted to get his rookie year in there to yeah, balance I don't, out. I, I, I don't like the. I wanted I to get the bad year in there uh, to balance out the off the charts type years because yeah, I, I'm going to go way out on a limb here and say he's not going to get 116 catches. I get that he's now 32 years old. That's gone. That that ship has sailed. But I wanted to try and get an average. You came up yeah, with but, but, the but if, you go, if you take those numbers to Alec Halepi, as I said, he, by the way, is the Eagles director of analytics. He would tell you, okay, you might think you got to the right answer because McMullen said this, McMullen said that. He'd say, well, number one, he'd say McMullen's an idiot. And number two, <laughs> he'd say, no, that's not, that's not actionable intelligence, as they would call it. You know, Joe Joe Banner always says, you know, give me your numbers. I'll listen to your numbers. You know, tell me how you got there. Tell me why it's going to work. I don't think they would like your formula of how you got there. And it's making me question my prediction, to be honest. Nope. Uh, you and I put our heads together and we came up with the exact <laughs> right numbers. Bank on it, McMullen, I'm telling you. And uh, yes. I think that, that I think the most important thing that we've said about Zach Ertz since we came on the show today was something that you said. The coach has changed his position. 
the coach might have come in here and believed speed, 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 speed. I need to get more speed. I need to go four wide receivers set. I'm not even sure we're going to have Dallas Goddard on the field. The game is all about speed. And then he started practicing and he started watching his players and he said, damn, Zach Ertz still might be the best wide receiver I have. I, I get it. Goddard is younger. Goddard's a little bit bigger. Goddard's probably a better all-around player, certainly, than, than Zach Ertz right now. If you just take them and project what they're yeah. both going to do this year, if they split the reps down the middle, they never played any 12 uh, uh, possessions, that it was only one tight end and each of them got 50%, I would guess that Goddard would have the better numbers at the end of the year. But I think it's closer than a lot of people think. Um, yeah, he's gotten a look at Ertz, and he says, damn, I got to get him on the field. Yeah. I got to play him. I, I know how he's got plans and he's making calls. And yes, uh, Zach had this tearful farewell at the end of last season. And I've been kept up to speed on all the conversations. But I'm a football coach. End of the day, I'm a football coach. And I'm an evaluator of what's going to happen on the field. And I will be judged by what happens on the field. And in my judgment, I got a better chance to win if I got Zach Ertz yeah. out there. I think the coaches had that come to Jesus moment. Yeah, he did. He has. I mean, there's no – it happens to every coach, by the way. They get these guys in the spring, typically. Um, I mean, forget about the pandemic. Just in general, the NFL, you draft a guy, you bring a guy in, you get a free agent. It looks great in the offseason. You get in the training camp, the pads come on, you go, oh, this guy's not good enough. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, that was how he's hoped and why he was playing chicken with Zach Ertz. He was hoping some team, again, the injury part of it, but the second part would be he was hoping some team would get to training camp, look at their tight ends and say, okay, these guys aren't good enough. we got to go in a different direction. That was the second part of the game of chicken. Happens to every coach in every NFL city every year. Everybody's great. You know, we have so many draft guys on. You know, this guy's great. This guy's great. This guy's great. They come into training camp. They go, this guy's not that great. <laughs> maybe, maybe he will be down the road, but he's not ready to play right now. And they got to ship gears. And the best coaches are the ones that can ship gears and adapt and, and do those types of things. And Nick Sirianni, again, he might not be there. He doesn't have control over that. But if he's going to be there, he's going to play and he's going to be a big part of this offense. All right. Uh, speaking of guys who are pretty good at telling us who's going to play, who's great, who's not great. Thought he was great. Got to admit, admit now he's not all that great. Uh, and one of the most fun contributors we have on the show is going to join us next. Chris Landry, former uh, executive in the NFL, scout, college and pro, um, uh, is going to hop aboard with us. We had him on uh, prior to the draft and uh, he gave us a great half hour, as a matter of fact. Looking forward to having him back on with us. Chris Landry joins us next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. 
Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are your Magamac guys. I see that uh, Chris Landry not ready to join us just yet. We're hoping that's the case. Hopefully we get a hold of them before uh, we exit stage left. All right, J-Mac, um, quickie question from yesterday's practice. Um, and I don't know if it's just you guys reporting or uh, the uh, Eagles specifically uh, thought that uh, this was important, wanted it out there. A lot of talk of installation yesterday. There was a big install day. Or maybe it was the last of the install days. Explain for uh, the Eagle fans, our Birds 365 watchers, uh, exactly what is meant by uh, install days, installing the offense, being done with installation. Um, Nick Sirianni confirmed, actually, that yesterday the eighth practice was the final offensive install of the summer. So now what he means is the entire his entire offense has been installed with his players so now they know the entire offense from this point forward you start replicating start duplicating things Uh, he was adding something new each day basically and now everything is in everything is installed now you try to get down um, and execute and, and and get the core 
plays down and 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 kind of spread out from there. Yesterday, for instance, they uh, for the first time I saw pretty significant uh, use of end arounds with some of the quicker receivers, the Jalen Ragers, the Quez Watkins, uh, people like that. So uh, last day of install on the offensive uh, side of the ball. So the Nick Sirianni offense is here, Jody. It's fully here. Every part of it. It is here. And as John and I have discussed at length, maybe more 12 personnel than when they drew it up when uh, yeah. Nick first showed up at the uh, at the Eagles headquarters. All right, here's our next guest. Uh, we had him on a couple of months ago, and he was great when he was on with us. We're looking forward to talking to him again. Since football returned across the National Football League last night in the terms of the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I almost stayed awake for the entire game. Sorry, it was too boring. I fell asleep. Chris Landry, did you make it through the entire game last night? I did. Uh, I looked at it. And, uh, well, obviously with a lot of my consulting work I do, I'll have to look at the tape. Preseason is is actually fun to evaluate young players and get a feel. It's um, it's not good for fans. It's not good for <laughs> media because it's, it's not a good – it's not designed to put together game plans to win a game. It's designed to obviously installs, work on things. And um, if you kind of, if you're looking at that and you're studying personnel and you're looking at the scheme and, you know, what they're trying to work on, you know, for example, if you, you, you want to, you know, you're working against a blitz, you may not, uh, you know, put a tight end to the side to help with the blitz and, in preseason, you want to see how you handle that so that you take that into the regular season. As you know, we're in this situation, we're going to have to get this guy some help or what have you. So I, I find it very, um, very helpful in the process. But the people that look at the results and think, okay, well, the wins and the yards and this guy's <laughs> going to be great or this team's going to be, it, it'll get you crazy. And for those of you that, um, that bet on these preseason games, God help you. You need help. You need to get yeah. help today. I get it. It's, 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 it's been a long yeah. time since you've bet. I get yeah. it. But uh, you're, you're better off just buying a lottery ticket because you don't – they're not – that's not, a different focus. Yeah, they're not yeah. trying to win the game. So, Chris, you've been around for a long time. How, has it changed at all as far as a coaching perspective, scouting perspective, how valuable these preseason reps are? Obviously, last year we didn't have a preseason, so it made it more difficult. This year it's scaled back. Have coaches you know, put more emphasis on these joint practices, or are they as valuable as ever, those preseason reps? Well, you're putting more emphasis on joint practices because people are trying to look into that more and more because – if we're going to reduce preseason games, you've got to get that. So you need good work. couple of things. Your roster's even at its large, you know, uh, uh, state in training camp is not enough to just be hitting your guys. You need some other work. Tough to do joint pack practices in COVID, you know. Everybody says, well, we got through the season last year and all that. Yeah, you can get through a season. But from football execution standpoint, it sucked. I mean, it, it just, the development part just wasn't there. It's to the point now where you're using about the first four to six games of the regular season is almost like a quasi-preseason game. I mean, you're, you're trying to win them. I don't mean that. Yeah. But you're trying to work through all sorts of problems that you may or may not correct depending on the severity of it. But 
it's changed. Uh, look, I mean, right, look, long time ago, uh, you know, we used to have six preseason games. Mm-hmm. But, but that's when you had a true offseason, where the guys would come back from selling insurance or <laughs> selling cars, and they would spend, mm-hmm. you know, and you'd report July 5th. And, you'd, you'd, you know, now it's a different world. So I, the biggest problem I have is, you know, if you have preseason, the, pro- the problem the owners have gotten is they want to stick that into their their uh, season ticket package, which is you're ripping the fans off there. And I think that practice and utilizing it's really important. Here's the other thing that is a tremendous impact last year. You need to add a receiver, a safety, any position – how are you going to evaluate other preseason games if you have less and less of them? Yeah. You, you, so as you talk about, well, we're going to pick up this guy, you don't know how they're doing. I signed Frank Wycheck based upon – I mean, I, I had a grade on him coming out of Maryland, and I knew, but based upon how we did in – well, we actually worked against the Redskins in, in some in, – and that based upon that, I, I kind of had a feeling – Little intel from from them that might not make their team, and and so I was kind of you know uh, aware of that, and and really liked his work, and he was a really good player for us, and and a lot of things like that you can get in preseason games or in scrimmages. So I think as we see less and less preseason games, we're going to see more and more work with teams. But we got to get we got to get past this COVID stuff where right now you can't do work with teams because you got you know the pro- protocol and then. You know, you're worried about getting your entire team vaccinated. Now you got to worry about well, how they vaccinate. I mean, it's just, it's it's a mess right now, and it's not. I mean, I know the finished product, and people see that they sit down to eat the meal. But for those of us that you got to be involved in cooking the meal, it's not all that pretty. Because you, how do you evaluate a guy if you you know you don't have preseason games or you don't play as many of these guys or you don't have you know scrimmages? It's it's definitely going to change. But look, like anything else, I tell guys all along. I I, I Guys I do stuff for, and some of them are young. I can't believe it. I said, look, you know, you, you will learn that you don't make the rules. You have to learn how to adjust them. When I first got in the league, we didn't have free agency. <laughs> I, I, I didn't like it. I didn't think, you know, I understood why you adjust to it. You just you just do. If, and if you don't adapt, you die in, this, in anything. But in this, yeah. in this league, that's the case. Chris Landry, our guest here on Birds 365. you got to check out for his website, LandryFootball.com, and his podcast as well, Landry Football. All right, Chris, uh, I need you to set me straight here because I took a stance last year and it woefully blew up in my face, and I don't know if I should take the same stance in reverse this year. Last year, I kept saying the Eagles are going to win the NFC East because Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson. And they have a Super Bowl-winning coach just a couple of years removed from a Super Bowl-winning coach, whereas the Giants have a brand-new coach, the Cowboys have a brand-new coach, and the Washington football team has a brand-new coach. Major advantage, Philadelphia, except the Eagles finished last. (laughs) So now this year, the three other teams in the NFC have returning coaches, and the Eagles have the brand-new wet-behind-the-ears coach. If I believed what I believed last year, the Eagles were well ahead of the game, or it didn't play out that way, should I now believe the exact same? The Eagles are up against it because they have the only rookie head coach? Or should I say, well, I look at my results from last year, Eagles can actually win this division with a rookie coach. 
couple of things. The division is still uh, not very good and kind of top to bottom. You can you can maneuver teams up and down a little bit, two or three games more than most divisions. And that's more due to the mediocrity of it. Um, still look at the roster. I, I would look at the Eagles in, um, not by a wide margin, but I would put them fourth in terms of a roster. I mean, I think, I think they've got more issues. A, if you look at others, you've got a little bit more stability at quarterback. Uh, the Giants have got to learn what they have in Daniel Jones, and but they've put a lot of weapons around him. Um, you know, the, the Redskins have a really good defense and a lot of talent, and they've got a solidifying quarterback that, that they can win with. I'm not talking about win big, but maybe win within the division. And I think the Cowboys, you wonder about their depth, but they're they're – they're in a little bit better shape. The Eagles is, what do they have in their quarterback? Is it going to be a good enough passer? Are there enough weapons? You know, uh, you know about that. I think Devontae Smith is going to help them. And, you know, obviously after the slow start for Jalen Rager, uh, that's that's putting it mildly. You know, you wonder they have enough enough weapons <laughs> and the play around them. Offensive line has been good. Is it good enough? Is it getting old? Will it? I, I, I don't think this is a, boy, I don't think this is a, the Eagles are, like, the Jets are really bad in the AFC East. So that's, you know, you, you the Eagles are, uh, oh, I, that's right. Is that your yeah, team? I'm Jody, sorry. Yeah. I'm Jody, sorry. I, 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 I didn't. I, 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 I'm sorry. I got something in my eye there, Chris. Don't yeah. worry about that. I, 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 I didn't. I, I actually forgot all that. I was just doing. <laughs> I was at. I was at. Your candor. Yeah. Thank I was, you for your candor. Yeah. It'll yeah, be my great pleasure to have you back on the show when yeah. you get to uh, yeah. nine this year. Yeah, I know. Well, if you do, I want to talk about it because that's going to be a lot. <laughs> that's going to be a lot of fun to see how yeah. they do it because right now, I can't see it. It, it. They're just forget about any. They're, they're teams that are like really, really bad. You know, they're they're building. And they got a long way to go. And relatively speaking, in their division, it's just it's you know it's a long haul. I don't think that's the case in in this. You know, with Philly, although I put them fourth, I mean they could easily finish second. We're talking about a very compressed division, but um, no, I think they've got some real issues, and you know, I think young coaches uh, that. Look, I've seen guys have success. He's a first-time head coach. Obviously, Ron Rivera is was a real positive addition for Washington. I think in time, Nick can do a really good job. And I think for him, it's going to be what he can do with this offense. And maybe he can get more out of it. And if he can, then that's where they, okay, they're a little bit more of a player than they may look right now or vice versa. But I think in terms of a roster, I think they're fourth in the division right now. Not by, I mean, you got court, running back situation, receiver situation, offensive line getting a little bit. I mean, they've got some good strengths on this team, and other teams in this division have weaknesses. But you start marrying them up a little bit, you know how this plays out, yeah. too. The health is going to be important. But, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think anybody in this division is a real deep playoff threat. But, look, I, I – I've, my mind has been changed in the course of the regular season before, so I'm curious well, to see. Well, I, I, I want to try to change it, Chris, because you brought up something interesting about adapting. You know, one of the things Doug Peterson, I think, had difficulty with last year was COVID, was the protocols. He's a guy who likes to be together. He's a guy that likes to connect uh, from that thing. Now you have a very young coaching staff. Um you know, Nick Sirianni, I've been down there for every day of practice. Sometimes they go 75 minutes. That's it. Everything's real quick. 
Everything is real structured. They might go 90 minutes. They're not going over 90 minutes. Do these young guys maybe have more of an open mind as far as all these restrictions? They're more willing to be malleable, or am I just going down a a primrose path? No, no, I think you're you're right on. I think young guys and, and, you know, guys that maybe are more uh, flexible, more along the lines of, adaptability of doing things a different way, figuring out a different way to do it. I'm, I'm a little bit more old school myself. I, I do think there's a lot into the younger guys doing it. No, I think that's a positive. I think the issue, though, is that's great in terms of maybe team development, cohesiveness, but how good are they? That's the real key is yeah. how good are they at quarterback? How good are they in running back? How good are they at receiver? That, in the end, is going to determine, you know, how good this team can be. The offensive line can lead them. The de- one thing I will say, I think in lines of scrimmage, this team holds up better than than even some in their division. But you look at the skill position guys, the making plays in space, that's going to be the key for this team. You know, quarterback, receiver, running back, linebacker, secondary, those are areas of question that if they are positive and they can get more out of them, that's where they become a better team than they may look right now. And that's, again, all relatively speaking because sometimes a team's strength falls down or, you know, in relative sense. But, yeah, I think that new leadership is key uh, in terms of coaching. I still am a little bit concerned organizationally um, not having a strong football guy. I'm, I'm an old school guy in this regard. Not having a strong football guy running things always concerns me uh, because – I think having somebody that's really good with running cap issues is very valuable. But that person needs, in my opinion, needs to be guided by a football decision. And when guys are involved from and got the power from a cap standpoint and they basically make their decisions because with their ears because they got to go with people tell them because they don't have the acumen to evaluate, I think that's where you can have mistakes. I think that's where you can have mistakes in relation re- relating to coaches. It's mistakes in getting things done in personnel that may sound good in almost fantasy football land-ish. Yeah. In, in like real drafting fo- a quarterback in the second round when you just gave the other quarterback $140 million. Well, yeah, and th- th- those are big decisions, but are you evaluating them correctly? Yeah. What's the, you know, it's if you want to take a quarterback – is it the right quarterback? It's and then so when you're constantly trying to figure it out and trying to be the smartest guy in the room, you you usually end up exposing yourself there. So I, I look, I'm old school. I think that 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 it's a business, but it's the business of football. And if you don't start from the other thing too is you can. When you're not a strong football guy, you tend, and here's the biggest problem actually, is you tend to listen to the coaches. The coaches have more weight and there's no checks and balances. So, I mean, if a coach will tell a play, uh, a, a front office guy that doesn't have a strong football background, that's never coached, that's never been uh, a scout for years, then that's going to sway the room. And I've been a coach, been a scout. Coaches want to coach easy. A guy that 
that is better at picking things up and, and learning things and he's easier to coach is a guy you may want to get or keep more than the guy that is not quite as good yet, but it's the best fit for your team. He may not be the best today, but by November, he would be the best. It's those type of decisions that it's not butting heads. It's trying to make people understand, look, this is, you got to have this vision. And, and, and I can tell you, as coaches, you can be more narrow-minded. As scouts, you can see things a little differently. And having, to me, the best of both minds together gives you the best way to work. But when you don't have a strong football guy in an organization running it, they tend to get overrun by coaches' decisions or they tend to kind of go. And then, you know, people will say, well, he's making this. He's not making the decision. He's the guy talking in the press conference. He has no clue, you know what he's talking about in terms of evaluating players or schemes or anything like that. All right, Chris, I'm going to ask you to put both of your hats on, former scout, former coach, um, and give me your take on what's going to happen in Green Bay this year. From a football standpoint, we know Aaron Rodgers, not only as good as it is, but maybe as good as it's ever been at his football skills. I've said it on the air many a time. He might be the most talented quarterback to ever play the position. Holmes may surpass him. Uh, excuse me, uh, the Kansas City kid may surpass him someday, but he's Mahomes not there yet, but he may get there. Um, so from a football standpoint, we assume even at his age in the 30s, since Brady's doing it in the 40s, that Rodgers can still do what he did last year when he was the MVP. But there's relationships, but there's promises, but there's <laughs> ways to be handled. There's uh, coach, general manager, player relationships. How's it all going to play in Green Bay this day? Mr. Been there, done it all. Uh, how, as from a Packer fan standpoint, is it going to play out? Well, it's it's tough because I'm not in that building. I mean, obviously, okay. there's there's been poor communication. So the, the way I would anticipate this working is, you know, Aaron is going to be totally engaged with his team. He's got a lot to prove. Uh, I think it's his last year. Let's just go on to the assumption he's going to be traded at the end of the year. So that's what I think is going to happen. Um, I, I think you're going to see the best of effort, the best of focus, the best of togetherness from the team in that regard. Now, where does that take them? How far does that take them? I, I don't know. Look, they were pretty close last year. I think they can be pretty close this year. I think they've got some improving weapons. They've got as good a receiver as there is in the league. Maybe not as deep, but they've got some weapons. Got a good offensive line. So it starts there. Um, I think they'll be, um, you know, to me, the team to beat in that division and certainly one of the best in the NFC. Um, at the end of the year, I would guess they're going to be traded um, because everybody talks about the GM. The guy that people don't talk as much about is Mark Murphy, who's the president. Yeah, And he's kind of the other part of the problem, but he's not talked about as much because maybe there's not as much of that communication. It's more Gutekunst. Now, is there a possibility that Murphy and Gutekunst are gone and Aaron Rodgers stays? Who's going to make that decision? How that's going to play? I don't have an owner in Green Bay. So this is not like, okay, if you had the same situation in Philly, then Jeffrey Lurie can say, you know what, I'm going to side with Aaron Rodgers over you other guys. But, well, doing this is you're going to, you know, could that happen, though, in Green Bay? And those guys are going and Aaron stays. And, and you say, look, we, we, particularly if he wins it all, there's that's, the, that's the interesting story. 
Yeah. That's the storyline. Yeah. Let Green Bay go to the Super Bowl, and Aaron Rodgers is the MVP or just plays <laughs> great, and they win the Super Bowl, and then they got to trade him at the end of the yeah. year. That's that's your story. That's going to be something that you. This has never really happened this way. Well, because at what, that at that point yeah. you got to figure out how do we keep this together and what do we need to do? Who do we need to throw under the bus? Yeah. And how do we how do we get the bus? Who drives the bus that we can? I mean, you know, that's going to be an unbelievable storyline. If it happens that way, if it doesn't and he falls short, then there'll be that that wiggle room yeah. to say, "Look, he wants to go. We're moving on. We drafted up. You know how that's going to play out." Yeah, but Chris, that's the part I want to bring up to you because you said the presumption, and I think Jay Glazer's the latest to put it out there. The Packers have promised uh, Rodgers they're going to trade him after this season. Now, from my standpoint, you know, as a former coach, that aspect. Coaches never want to be lame ducks because players know they're lame ducks. They never want to be on that final year of their deal. I don't think it works. Is it going to work having a lame duck quarterback when everybody knows he's got one foot out the door? What if he's got a bad, a bulky ankle? Is he going to bite through it? Or is he going to say, I'm out of here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to play this game. How is that lame duck part of it shape up for the Packers? I think it's a fair point, a fair question. And, and, and I think it is fair to think, you know, will he handle that way? Knowing Aaron Rodgers, that competitiveness, the fact that he wants to do it, he wants to prove, you know, everything, you know, I, I think he would play. I think he'd probably want to play through a shattered ankle. I, I think he's that type of guy. Not everybody would be. And I think everybody's in on it. Look, I could be wrong. I'm not in that locker room. I, I just... I believe two things. The way that team just kind of galvanized around the quarterback. I mean, they're all around, they're all for the quarterback. He's pay him. He deserves it. He de- he deserves that respect. I think it's galvanizing almost to the point of where everybody, without saying it, they wanna. They are all on Aaron's side and not against the front office, but but in that fight, that locker room is like one hundred percent in Aaron Rodgers' favor. So I think that's how that's going to play out. I, I don't know, but that would be my guess. But to your point, we've seen a lot of those guys do that. I mean, you know, I, would I think everybody would uh, would handle it that way? I think a lot of guys would handle it the way you're suggesting. Maybe maybe I'm not going to fight through this. Maybe I'm not going to fight through that. We've seen a lot of guys do that. But you know what? If you're going to be a guy that's going to want to be traded, and, you know, you're, you're going to want to have a good year. I mean, if he doesn't have a good year and he doesn't seem engaged, I, I, I get, I agree with everything Jody said. But all of a sudden, do you start to think, does this guy have, you know, am I going to want to trade what it's going to cost me to trade for Aaron Rodgers? Am I getting Aaron right? I mean, I think though you don't want to put that question mark. One other thing, though, the whole, I haven't seen it, and, and I'll get it because I've got access to it, is they restructure that contract when it goes to the league office. Here's what I'm looking at. It's fine. Well, you know, we give word and all that stuff. There's something. They're smart. Aaron Rodgers and his game is smart, and I think they are. There's got to be something in that contract that triggers it. Because we're going to trade you at the end of the year. That, that, that doesn't mean squat. Yeah. I'm looking for a poison pill. So, in other words, yeah. they put like, I, here's what I would have done if I were them, and, and I'm – negotiating for teams, but if I'm not a player, say, you know, the way you guarantee it is you put a poison pill. 
and yeah. say, if he's on the roster March 1st, you get a $60 million signing bonus. He ain't going to be on the roster then. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's where you know that it's done. I don't know that's been done. I'm curious. Yeah. What, what is that poison pill that says, Dome, this is, this is you can bet that. Because at, at that point, then, you can go to him and say, do you still feel that way? Or if he wants to stay, you can always rewrite that out again. Right. But, you know, you know I, I, that that's the only guarantee you got that you're going to be traded. Because I don't know if he truly doesn't trust the front office, why is he going to trust their word now? I, that doesn't. I'm, so I'm curious to see that, you know. Understood. Chris, uh, I've had you on my show for years, and I've always appreciated your scouting skills. So my final question is going to be on the scouting road. Um, and we'll have you on again six weeks from now when we'll know better. And we'll have you on again six weeks after that when we'll have a real good grasp. Uh, part of the offseason story for the Eagles has been they've got draft assets. They've got their own pick, which could be high. Mm -hmm. They've got Miami's pick. They could potentially have the cold pick, but it's now looking more like a two than a one. Uh, you get my drift. They've got the ability to be a major player at the top of next year's first round of the draft, and that may include a quarterback if Jalen Hurts doesn't live up to the highest of expectations. Give me your top three quarterbacks in this draft, well acknowledging that nobody had Joe Burrow number one in August before That's he correct. got number That's one. That's correct. Nobody had Zach Wilson at number two in August before he had the season he had, and I'm uh, readily acknowledging this could change plenty before the draft. But as we sit here early August, give me the top three quarterbacks in order in your mind in college football that are going to be draft eligible at the end of the year. If I were if I were Eagle fans, I'd watch a lot of Oklahoma games and watch yeah. Spencer Rattler develop. And look, the when I make comparisons and when we make comparisons as a scout, we're talking skill sets, not necessarily that this guy is going to be as good as but he's got a lot of the Patrick Mahomes playmaking outside the pocket, throw off different platforms. Um, he's really, really good. Um, and I think I think that somebody you need to pay attention to a lot. I do think the kid from USC, Keaton Slovis, is very good. Uh, I think he's somebody that, that folks should pay attention to. Um, you know, those are guys that, that jump out at me right now. There's some other guys that are, I think, have a chance to be good. But they're not quite, you know, where they where they need to be yet. Um, but I, I, and I think Sam Howell uh, of of North Carolina is good. He could be a, to me, he's a lot like Baker Mayfield. Uh, and, and I, and it, and nothing wrong with that. I think he's doing a good job in Cleveland. But I think Spencer Rattler can be special. Uh, let's see if he develops along those lines. But I think he's the most intriguing guy that uh, would make sense. And I, I think that Keaton Slovis is more of a guy that can really be good in the pocket, that is really accurate, that can that really knows where to go with the checkdowns and throw gets it out on time. So you've got, I think, two guys there that I think can be really good. Look, I, I think the kid out of Nevada, Carson Strong, is good, but more of a got a little bit lot more development to do there. But that's that's would be my suggestion there. And um, you know, cheap plug. You know, we cover the draft all year long, so yeah. at LandryFootball.com. And, yeah, we'll certainly be back. We'll, we'll keep everybody, as the games go on, as they kick them off, how they're developing, how they're going. Because you guys know this. You've heard me say this, you know, before, and particularly Jody being on with you a bunch. Is it's not one of those, 
well, everybody's got their draft board, and then they move them out. It doesn't yeah. work that way. It's you make your draft board when you get into your meetings in, like, early March, and that's based on stuff that hadn't even happened yet. So the guys I'm talking, yeah, that's fine. It doesn't mean, like, well, that's the best guy. The rankings, if you look at Landry football, we put them in tiers, watch them. These are the things. We'll grade them as they need to be graded. Because in this day and age, you don't have two or three years of them playing college ball, and let's see what they do this senior year. It's like, you know, some of them may start one year. You know, may have a half a year. So it's like you're looking strictly (laughs) on potential. Let's see the production and how they develop and grade. But that's that's my that's my thoughts there for Eagles fans, and, and we'll see where that goes. Yeah, and and by the way, one of those football guys that Howie Roseman listens to, Chris, is uh, Lincoln Riley. Loves Lincoln Riley. So yeah, well, that Oklahoma connection. A lot of people do. Lincoln yeah. is very well thought of. He's done a great job with quarterbacks. That offense is um, is you know built on the counter tray and the ability to be able to work the passing game off of that with a lot of the RPO concepts. He's really bright. He's somebody that uh, has stuck with Oklahoma. They're going in, obviously, you guys know they're going to be heading to the SEC soon, but a lot of that Oklahoma, they're, they're always nervous. He's, he's not He's going to stay with us forever. And <laughs> he's, he's a guy that I know NFL yeah. people like, particularly in this day and age where you're looking for the guy that can get it done with the quarterbacks. He's, he's done it with a lot of guys, including, including a guy that, that we talked about earlier that's on the Eagles roster. So you're yeah. absolutely right. Yes, Jalen Hurts. I learn a lot about uh, what's going on in both the college and the NFL. When I go to Landry.com, you should do the same. Landry. And we give you a chance to learn firsthand when we bring Chris on to the show. Chris, uh, no full well, we're going to call you again in about five or six weeks after the season's underway. Thanks much for hopping on with us today. And I'm going to be pulling hard for the Jets, mainly for you. Just cause they, and, 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 and don't you forget me when they win, when they, when they got their, when they got their fifth or sixth win, if I don't get a call from you, you you're going to hear from me. You, you buried them. You, you buried you, you, That's all right. Yeah, I know. I know. And I, the minute it went out my mind, I'm like, I thank you with the Jets fan. I, I think my memory says the Jets fan. I shouldn't have said that. Right. Chris, we love you. Appreciate hey, love you guys. Have Always a great a weekend. Enjoy the start of the season. Let's talk soon. Take care. One deal. Thanks, Chris, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com, one of the more uh, insightful and entertaining. He, <laughs> uh, I like a guy who can laugh with us, and he's one of them. That's why we like Chris Landry. We will get him up again uh, probably shortly after the season gets underway. Uh, we'll come back and put a bow on the show. It's good to have Johnny Mac back with me, Jody Mack, here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods. 
the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. I don't know about you guys, but I think today's show has been pretty darn hucking fun. Uh, mainly because we had Johnny Mac back, also because we had Chris Landry on. Mike Gill did a good job for us. Been a damn good show. Uh, all right, uh, McMullen, you probably got two or three articles you got right after this show. Is uh, over, unfortunately. Uh, By the uh, way, another giant retired. I want to throw that in there. That is four guys uh, over the past uh, past week or so. Four players retiring from Joe Judge's training camp. Zach Fulton, Todd Davis, Joe Looney, Calvin Benjamin. Not important players. A lot of guys at the back end of their careers are, in the case of Benjamin, trying to make a return. But it I was is gonna say, weird. Did Benjamin retire or was he just cut? Yeah, No, he retired. It's weird. It's just weird. I think it's weird. I think it's worth putting out there. It's uh, rare you see four guys retire like that in a cluster. I, uh, back it up a week, two weeks, whatever, before they had retired. Did you really believe any of those guys were going to have any influence no, on whether the Giants no. are going to win games or not? No, no. It's 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 a coincidence. I'll give you that, but I, I it's weird. I, I just threw it out. Right. I, I wouldn't read all that much into it. Um, I so uh, when you finish up your three or four other art, art, articles that you got to write and your honey do list, and you finally had right. twenty minutes to yourself, what the hell are you going to do today? I'm not going to have 20 minutes to myself. Come on, so you're going to get 20 minutes. Well, 20 minutes is with the dog and taking the dog for a walk okay. and taking the dog out. That's my joy, Jody. That's my uh, rose. Uh, my great going back. That's what I'm doing back. as soon as the show's over. Yeah. 
That's, the, dog, uh, the dog just came downstairs. She, uh, she's amazing. Yeah, she knows yeah. exactly when it's 950-something yeah. that the show's going to be over in 10 minutes. Like, I'm going to forget that I have to get her out at 10 o'clock. She's got to come and remind me. No, I just saw my dog. Mike, uh, Mike Gill gave his rose to Quez Watkins. I'm giving my rose to Isabella, the Beagle Bulldog. Okay. You know who I'm going with. Greg Ward, Ward, the most underrated player on the Philadelphia Eagles. I stand by my... I don't give up on my guys. I'm a man of conviction. Greg Ward... We got got to talk to Greg Ward yesterday for the first time in camp. By the way, uh, Greg is the the unquestioned veteran leader of the Eagles wide receiver room. How quickly is that? It's amazing. They have no... And when we talk about those restructured contracts and people putting two to two and two together saying that had to do with Deshaun Watson, no, they need a veteran receiver. They need a veteran receiver badly. Greg Ward can handle the responsibility. Mark my words. That falls under the sad but true column that Greg Ward is the most experienced wide receiver that the Philadelphia Eagles have. All right, uh, so you're going to be in Camp Hall next week? I'm not going to get to see your smiling face? Uh, No. Day-o game. Day-o game. You're going to be here, right? Uh, Yeah, Thursday night they play. So I'll be here Thursday. Got to work it out. I'll be are here. They, are they days. practicing Friday right away? They turn around in the morning on Friday after the game on Thursday? I wish I could tell you. I got to look at the schedule. I okay, know they practice Tuesday. I, I might be off Monday, so I might be here Monday. I got to look at the schedule. All right. Well, much like you guys, will John McMullen be on the show? You're going to have to tune in and find out because I can't tell you because he can't tell me. No. So well, that's the beauty of Birds 365. You got to tune Chris, in to Chris, find out if McMullen's going to be here. If I'm not here, Jeff Kerr will be here. But uh, Chris Landry, uh, you got to adapt or die, man. They throw the schedule at me last minute. I got to adapt. I got to adapt, Jody. Yeah, you are an adapter. All right. Uh, I'll pl- we'll plug you in somehow next week, either as a guest and or the yeah. host. I'll be here at some uh, point. He, he will be here my- at some point, each and every single Birds 365, as will I, except the couple of days next week when I got to get out a couple of minutes early because I got to do another show. McMullen walks his dog. I do more shows. Uh, but thank you for uh, being here on Birds 365. We'll be right back with you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. 
Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.